0: So we are in Matthew 21, verses 23 to 46, if you want to get your Bibles out. We are going to do things slightly different this time. I want to, we'll do, I'll do some talking, but we're also going to do it a little bit like a Bible study, like I will ask some questions and we'll have a little bit of discussion. So prepare to um, prepare to talk if you're so willing or interested. So I wanted to see how this would work, kind of a more of an engaged aspect of the um, sermon, rather than just me talking the whole time. Um, I see how this goes. So, and there's no right or wrong answers. My job will be to talk some, i also facilitate the discussion a little bit, um, but also get people's opinions and thoughts about this. So don't be afraid; just do your best. Also, I will be looking when I'm looking to the side here because I I have my notes and I'm also looking at the screen. So I'm looking this way. I'm actually looking at you. So I'm not just like looking away, looking at a mouse or something. So um, this is going to help me to look at you and. Um, discuss with you so but you're welcome just turn your mic off you don't have to raise your hand um and unless you feel really compelled you're totally conformed to the teacher system that we've had for the last 15 plus years of your life but you can just turn your mic off give me your thoughts and we can keep going so we'll start it off easy does somebody want to read the passage this is matthew 21 23 to 46. It's a long section. We'll read the whole thing in its entirety and then we'll break it down kind of piece by piece. Chris, I'll read it. Go for it. 2123. Uh, 2123, yes. 21 what? 2123, yes. All right, when
1: he he entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority? Jesus answered them. I will ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it of human origin? They discussed it among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why don't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowd because everyone considered John to be a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man has two sons. He went to the first and said, my son, go to work in the vineyard today. He answered, I don't want to. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the man went to the other and said the same thing. I will, sir, he answered, but he didn't go. Which of the two did his father's will? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are ending the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. Tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. But you, when you saw it, didn't even change your minds and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. He leased it to a tenant farmer and went away. When the time came to harvest fruit, he sent his servants to the farmers to collect the fruit. The farmers took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Again, he sent his other servants, more than the first group, and they did the same. Finally, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son. But when the tenant farmer saw this son, They said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these farmers? He will completely destroy these terrible men, they told him, and lease his vineyard to other farmers who give him the fruit of the harvest. (laughs) Jesus Jesus said to them, have you read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord has done and is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruit. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, but on whom whoever it falls, it will shatter him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard these parables, they knew he was speaking about them. Although they were looking at a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the
0: people regarded him as a prophet. Thank you. So just to recap, um, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, and one of Matthew's goals in this Gospel is to present Jesus as the Messiah, the King that the people have been hoping for. And last week, we talked about the idea of confronting The people, the issues, and the brokenness of his day, as he overturned the tables of the money changers, had conflict with the religious leaders and cursed a fig tree. And we'll see in our passage today, as you just read, that this conflict with the religious leaders does not end here, but continues to heat up. So my first question is, can you tell me about a time that you remember a conflict you had with somebody? It can be a spouse, a child, somebody in the workplace. What's a situation do you have a conflict that you remember?
1: Chris, is Kim and I don't fight. I'll bring up another one. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess probably it's work-related. You know, it's, um, you know, sometimes in this world we're in you know we're, we're leading a life of trying to be christ-like and, and you're dealing with some guys who are not and um you know they they almost come across as almost more self-righteous in what they know or how they are and you know it puts me sometimes in a tough position um and i had a guy who i worked with who's in human resources and and um you know he, he says and does things that are just not right and um and i have a hard time holding back to be honest
0: right right no that makes sense yeah totally fair anybody else want to share conflict
2: i guess because beth and i don't fight as well <laughs> i'll have to give you a work <laughs> example too <laughs> um very much what brad was saying i guess in many ways i think um that the workplace is somewhere where you can get conflict, where I think, uh, you know, the integrity is is trying to be compromised and people want to um, take a shortcut or not tell everything as it is. Um, So not fully transparent with the client. So that can end up causing conflict in, in how you approach things and disagreements with people about how to move forward, even though it might be, more painful to be honest to direct.
0: Hmm. How does that how does that feel inside that conflict when you when you know that conflict is happening for you or anybody else?
2: Unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of like churning up inside of your guts almost. It's like, I don't really want to have to deal with this, but we're gonna to have to deal with this.
3: Mm-hmm. And over me personally. Um, I'm a kind of person that that hates conflict I really don't uh-huh. so if if conflict comes I can sort of end up having like a sleepless night uh-huh. um, it turns around in my mind constantly uh, worry about it um, can't let it go um, feel upset by it obviously depending on how serious it is but you know if it's something between somebody that's a friend maybe then it you know or somebody close to me then it really bothers me and that, and it yeah can really affect me personally
0: yeah I mean definitely I'm the same way like I can handle conflicts I like to hit it head-on but it also has the same effect on me where I can be doing other things but I am not thinking about those things like I'll play with my kids but I am a million miles away you know, or my wife will be talking to me, but I am not listening at all. I'm just like, I'm there in that conflict state just constantly. And I, I kind of wonder, like, Jesus had so much conflict as, as we saw last week, and we're seeing even more this week. Like, how is he feeling about all this, you know? Um, these people are confronting him and they're asking him hard questions and he's responding obviously brilliantly. um, But it must've just been like so much turmoil in his mind um, going on through this. And I think that's like, that's probably part of what Jesus through this week and the suffering leading up to and, and the sweating blood, of course, dying on the cross. But I think all this conflict he's having with these religious leaders that was throughout his ministry and is now starting to kind of reach a climax is um, is becoming so intense, right? Remember, like last, last, the previous evening, he trumps them, he stumps them, he says, you know, uh, he gives a scripture, I think from Psalm 8 saying, you know, out of the mouth of babes will come praise. And then they have nothing to say, but they are ready today you know um he spent the. uh if we remember jesus spent the night in bethany outside the city and is returning to the temple in jerusalem this morning we see that he's already teaching while is he's in the temple my next question is who do you think jesus is teaching who do you think jesus is teaching teaching everybody at the
2: Passover I guess there's there's multiple people that he's speaking to here clearly to the um, the RSCs and the religious leaders Um, but I guess it's also by reference also then teaching everybody else who's there and us too
0: yeah yeah, anybody else want to answer? That's good, that's excellent. I have more thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, anybody? Three, two, one. Um, it stands to reason that because of, you know, the crowds from the previous day, um, like you said, Matt, like there's a triumphal entry, the healing that he did, um, the conflict with the religious leaders, there's probably a significant crowd and I think as Brad whispered, it's Passover, one of the three pilgrimage festivals um, during the Jewish year that they all kind of have to go to um, Jerusalem, to the temple, one of the largest, busiest places during the year, requiring Jews from all over the known world to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So it's already a packed place and Jesus is a famous person at this point i mean in my mind it reminds me of um you know i see all all, we all live in kuwait or have you you see the videos of Hajj, right um just crowds of people and it is packed and it's just full and that's kind of what i would imagine jerusalem is like and jesus is making even more full because people want to hear him speak um so you know while healing was an important dimension as we saw yesterday he's also teaching this crowd um teaching was important to jesus it was mentioned early in the gospel of matthew that after he was tempted by the devil it says quote this is matthew four seventeen. he began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand In Mark's gospel, it says that preaching repentance was more important than his healing ministry. Is that this is why I came out? And we see Jesus doing this here in the temple. And it's against kind of this whole backdrop that the elders and the chief priests come up to him and interrupt him to ask him a question. So, my next question is Who are these? Who are the chief priests and elders? We talked about this a little bit last week. Who are the chief priests and elders mentioned in this passage? Not everybody at once. Uh, I would say they were the, the Pharisees and the scribes and others that had high standing in the church. Maybe they were from uh, influential families that had history in the church and things like that. Yeah, that's good. Influential families, influential religious leaders. Any other thoughts on that? That's good.
2: Got a note here from Isaac. So in, in his Bible, it's got, it says Pharisees mean separated. In New Testament times, uh, religious leaders who taught the law, most of the Pharisees did not like Jesus and his teachings. They looked for a way to arrest Jesus. Uh, two Pharisees, it talks about Joseph and Nicodemus, who came to, to know Christ, but that's his little notes.
0: Mm, that's good. That's, that's well, well said. Yeah, you're, you're both right. Brittany, uh, the kids' Bible, that's, that's correct. You know, these were the same people that were outraged we talked about last week when they saw jesus healing and hearing the children basically saying he was the messiah um these were the people priests were initiated by god from the tribe of levi to serve the tabernacle and eventually the temple uh, however around 70 bc the a council of form of jewish leaders called the sanhedrin which consisted of around 70 or 71 Jewish leaders who would make decisions about Jewish law and consisted of, uh, as was said, um, temple priests, elders of local synagogues, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees. These are rival political religious groups and influential uh, families. Um, so that's who they are. So. Clearly, they were angry that they were stung by Jesus yesterday. Um, so they interrupt him today to ask him a more challenging question. Um, they want to know, and it says, by what authority is, Ju- is Jesus doing these things and who gave it to them? So my question is, what are these things the religious leaders are talking about?
3: What are these things that the religious leaders are talking about? Yeah I was thinking Chris when you were just saying that then you recapped them like, like last time uh, you know they're pretty outraged that he's come in and overturned the temple and um, the tables in the temple and driven them out you know I guess in part that's probably one of those things that they are seeing you know what who says that you can have the authority to do this who are you that you can just come into the temple and do this so i guess that's one of the one of yeah the yeah
0: definitely one of the things is, is flipping those tables over of the money changers um that's yeah absolutely any others he's he's uh healing he's uh doing things on the sabbath he's doing all these crazy things that they are against but that god is fully for Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. the yeah the his general ministry right of healing on the sabbath healing just yesterday according in timeline of, of the book right um that's good any other things thoughts
1: he's also teaching chris which they are very much against
0: right Right.
2: I guess for them as well, there would have been a um, some mechanism by which they would have been um, seen as being approved to be the Pharisees. They would have had some kind of like I don't know, like passing a test, getting a theology degree, or you know, the the classic thing was I guess the um, uh, laying on of, of hands or the anointing, or something would have happened whereby they would have been set aside to be these. Uh, these particular guys and who's this Jesus who comes from nowhere doing this kind of stuff
0: yeah okay good they're approved they're part of you are in the system you are approved by us you are now one of us you are a leader good yeah that's one you know he's not one of those that's probably one of these things any other thoughts that's good Yeah, that's all the stuff I, I, I wrote down, you know, the, the turning over the tables, the healing, um, the triumphal entry that he did earlier, his entire ministry, probably they didn't, they didn't like, as James had said. Um, so those are the things. Now, my next question is, okay, Jasper and Eunice and Rena, I want to hear you as well. Okay? You don't have to answer this one, but I want to hear from you as well, because I knew you guys are smart people. Why do you think they ask Jesus this question? Why are they asking him the authority on which he does these things? Why do they ask Jesus this question?
1: Uh, usually, Pharisee. I've heard another thing is like they say fair. I see. They only look mm-hmm. at themselves. I look at myself as fair. You know. So can't tolerate another person taking that position of this so they only look at themselves as the final authority and who is this jesus kind of thing
0: okay yeah so yeah that's a great answer so you're saying that they are they don't like it sounds like you're saying they don't like that this other outsider jesus is has authority that's not their own authority yeah that's excellent Other thoughts? Yeah, I think you're you're exactly right. You know, it's not because they're curious about the answer. Uh, I think it sounds like it's more of a trick question, right? Uh, if Jesus says his authority comes from God or from being God, they would have the right to arrest him and take him in for questioning because in the eyes of the chief priests and the elders, they have full jurisdiction over what happens in the grounds of the temple. They have full authority. Um, So a rogue teacher like Jesus claiming to have God's authority would not be tolerated, they could take him in because if Jesus says that answer, they could take him in for further questioning and arrest him. However, Jesus says his authority was from the people or from other source then the crowds would immediately dismiss him because they consider him as a prophet as it says at the end of the chapter so there's no correct answer for jesus it's kind of like a it's a it's a leading question that he there's no way he can answer this correctly however jesus does have a correct answer and he asks his own question right he counters with his own question and i think it's very ironic that he asked them a question showing them his authority might not be to, being required to answer their question directly. And this idea of answering a question with a question did not seem foreign to the religious leaders. So it must have been some sort of normal exchange. And uh, we know from history that Socrates, about 500 years prior, um, prior to the time of Jesus, had this line of thinking. You know, people would ask a question. Socrates taught, you ask another question, a clarifying question, or another kind of question to get to the root of it. So Jesus is is kind of using this strategy here. So they must, and obviously living in the Roman world, being part of the Roman Empire, this must have been somewhat common because they didn't, the Pharisees didn't, they weren't confused by what Jesus was asking them. So he asks about, Jesus asked his own question about John receiving his authority. So my question is, why does Jesus ask about where John received his authority? Or how are the authority, they're kind of two interrelated questions. How does Jesus ask about where John received his authority and or how is the authority of Jesus and John related? You can answer either of those questions. Why does Jesus ask this question about John and or how are the authority of Jesus and John related? I think he's trying to get them to figure out the answer on their own. And he's also trying to teach the people that are there that are not Pharisees where his actual authority comes from because his authority is basically the same as John's. Yeah, good answer. His uh, his authority is the same as John's, right? Yes, I would agree with that. And trying to get them to get the peop maybe get them to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Other thoughts on that? Good answer. Chris,
1: I think he was also trying to get them to realize that they are rejecting him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was flipping their trick question back to a trick question, Um, and obviously they stumbled, they couldn't answer it, and they they saw through that at the end, but I think he was trying to make them, in front of the crowd, admit that they couldn't answer it, and he's the ultimate teacher, not them.
0: Right. 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 It, it, it seems like a game of who's the better teacher a little bit. And Jesus is showing them. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. Also another great answer. You know, it's not. Um, yeah, Jesus's question is clearly related to the chief priest's question, as you said, as you said, you know, they ask about Jesus authority and he first wants to know about John's authority. And we know that John had his own significant ministry prior to his execution, with some overlap with Jesus' ministry. And his ministry included things like disciples. Um, John had a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. And uh, appointing the way to Jesus as the Messiah. So they were also relative, Jesus and John. And John baptized Jesus before his own public ministry began. So Jesus is clearly implying, James, as you said, by this question that the answer to the authority of John's ministry points to the authority of Jesus's ministry, right? And, and Brad, as you said, he's trying to get them to see they're from the same place, right? They're from the same place. Um and they were both not from the establishment, right? As far as we know, neither Jesus or John were trained by rabbis, as Matt we're talking, you said before. They were not trained by the system, by the Jewish teachers. They did not aspire fame. Uh, they did not have famous relatives. Uh, they did not. They both had significant callings and specific callings from God. They both emphasized uh, repentance for sins and the coming of the kingdom. They are both held to be prophets by the people. Um, And Jesus' questions to the Pharisees and the chief priests and elders is even more simple. He gives them two choices, um, which is why I titled my sermon, Two Authorities. John's authority for baptism ministry either came from heaven, God, or from man himself for the crowd. That's kind of his two choices. However, they refused to answer the question, Brad, like you said, and said they didn't know. However, it's not because they didn't know, right? They knew, or they thought they knew. They all believed that his authority was definitely from man, as it says in verse 26. But they are afraid to say this, because the crowd all believed that John was one of God's prophets. So the crowd believes this. They don't want to say from heaven, they don't want to say from man, because the crowds believe in John. They don't want to say from heaven because they know that Jesus will ask them, "Why didn't you believe him?" Because it seems clear that John's ministry received the same negative attitude from the religious leaders as Jesus. They don't have an answer for Jesus. As a result, Jesus says that they will—he will not tell them who gives him authority. But as both as has been said before, he kind of he indirectly gives an answer, right? um his indirect answer is his authority comes from the same place as John's, which is from heaven without having to actually say it and being taken in um so i have two quick application points for this um my first application is you don't need to answer every question uh you know when you are talking to people about the gospel about jesus about anything you don't have to answer every question they they ask you and people i know this is why people a lot of times get afraid because like what if they ask me about evolution what if they ask me about you know the the genocide in the old testament what if they ask me a question i can't answer you don't need to know all the answers right we don't need to have all the answers you don't need to be the bible answer man to answer the question to talk about Jesus, talk about the gospel, right? And Jesus did not answer this their questions, right? Because it's an impossible question anyway. And people will try to ask you an impossible question. Like people ask me dumb questions all the time when I talk about God. It's like, well, can God lift a rock so big that it crushes him? Like That is not the point. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus. And you can make a beeline back to that. You know, I've had questions about people want to get into their political issues, like about gay marriage or about abortion. I try to avoid those issues when talking with non-Christians because it just, people spin out on those issues and get, um, they, you miss the point and they get so frustrated, you get shut down. And I say that, you know, people have different opinions. You can have different opinions about that and be a Christian, still love Jesus. Um, I have my own thoughts on it but you can love Jesus and go to heaven and spend eternity with him and have different thoughts on political issues. But the point is, what about Jesus? So you don't need to answer every question. You know, I know Christians who believe evolution. That's okay. If they believe that Jesus died for their sins and is going to spend eternity with him. That's how you're, that's how you're, I think that's in, you're in, you don't have to have every, theological point be exactly the same as you uh, my other application point is we don't need to be afraid of other people i mean the 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 chief priests and elders and pharisees are cowards right they should have just made him answer the question and instead answered the question that jesus had for them but they were afraid of other people and we should not be afraid of other people as christians we should be unafraid to talk about jesus even if it costs us something right it's going to cost something to believe in jesus it might cost us our reputation or looking cool or looking smart because people think that christians are backwards and unintelligent and unsophisticated mm-hmm. but we should not be afraid of what other people think because the wisdom of god the foolishness of god is better than the wisdom of man um i have more but we're almost at a time i'm trying to think what i want to do here <clears throat> uh let's go a little further so he's got two parables <clears throat> because jesus basically won the argument because they refused to a- answer his question jesus goes on the offensive here he gives a parable about two sons being asked to do something from his father. Right the first son said he would not work the vineyard but then had a change of heart and went. The second son said he would go but he also changed his mind. Jesus makes it clear to them the meaning of the parable. The son who says he doesn't go but changes his mind are the people following Jesus, the tax collectors and prostitutes, who are of course the lowest of the low in the society. Prostitutes sell, degrade, and make unclean their own bodies. Tax collectors sell, degrade, and make unclean their own people and religion by forcing their brothers and sisters into continual po- poverty, inciting with the Roman oppressors. They said they, would not, they said they would not serve God by their lifestyles, but through the ministry of John, and by extension Jesus' ministry, they repented and changed and are now part of God's kingdom. The scribes and Pharisees signed up to be a part of God's kingdom, at least on paper, by profession. But when John came came preaching repentance and right living, they refused to acknowledge and condemned it, even after they saw the impact it had on others. So what's the connection that Jesus is drawing between Jesus's ministry and his own? I think the same thing will happen to Jesus's own ministry as he dies on the cross and rises again. They will become aware when Jesus rises again from death, yet if you remember near the end of this book, we will see that they will refuse to believe and they will rather pay off the Roman soldiers to lie about an angel moving the stone than believing it, making their own condemnation worse. So I think an application point from this first parable for us is that actions are more important than words, right? That's one of the points of this parable. Be careful what you say and do what you say, right? Be be very careful about what you say and do what you're going to say. Actions are more important and they matter more than words. We as Christians need to be careful what we commit to. I'd rather commit to less and do more than commit to more and do less, right? And I think we should also be... careful about condemning other ministries. I think Christians can have this bad reputation of shooting their own. Um, I know lots of great ministries that people can tend to look down on or don't like um, because they have a theological bent or a disposition that they don't like. And I've just seen great ministries being driven to nothing because other Christians have attacked them and denigrated them and, and treated them so poorly Um, just one, you know, there's a pastor I really liked He was based in Seattle, Mark Driscoll, and he had a great ministry, imperfect person, but had a powerful ministry in Seattle. But because of some mistakes he made, I don't think disqualifying mistakes, other Christians just jumped on him until the ministry was basically destroyed. And I thought that was, that was wrong. And as Christians, we are not great at uh, redeeming other Christians. Who, who who fail make mistakes mm-hmm. so we should be careful we don't want to be like the pharisees condemning other people's ministries especially if god is approving it mm-hmm. we're almost we'll be through this we'll 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 be done jesus gives a second parable that's even more condemning and directly ties to jesus's own ministry he talks about a landowner who builds a great vineyard and leases it out to tenants who work the land when it was harvest time, servants were sent to the owners, uh, sent to the owners to get the share of the fruit, but the tenants abused and killed them instead of giving the master his share. Finally, the son went as a representative of the owner, but the tenants thought that he was the heir and they could once they, once kill him and then own the whole property, which they did. Jesus asks the owner, asked the Pharisees what they what the, sorry, Jesus asks what the owner should do to these people, and the chief priests say they should be put to a miserable death. However, this is a trap, and Jesus gives another scripture and metaphor from Psalm 118, saying that the building stone rejected by the masons has become the cornerstone, the most important stone in the whole structure of a building. And what this says is that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the ground. Of the kingdom of god that is going to be built going forward the religious leaders reject it but that makes no difference rather jesus said the kingdom of god will be taken away from them and given to people producing its fruits now this does not mean that it's going to be that jewish people will no longer be part of the kingdom of god but rather the religious leaders of that time will not because matthew was a pro-jewish person He means that there will be a people, both of Jews and Gentiles, who love Jesus and participate in his kingdom that produce the fruit of repentance. He also says that those who fall on this stone, referring to himself, the previous metaphor, referring to himself will be broken, meaning broken like um, broken to do God's work, broken of the need to be close to god broken of our self-reliance however those on who jesus falls so if you're you fall in jesus it's of your own will but whoever jesus falls on you you're broken by this rock you will be destroyed by him and finally the the pharisees see that jesus is talking about them but they do nothing because again they are scared of the people so the application here is that we need to fall on Jesus. We need to fall on Jesus. So let's remember we need that as we we do not need to answer all the questions when we're talking to people about Jesus. We do be careful not to reject other people's ministry. We need to not be afraid of what other people think. And we need to fall on Jesus to be broken of our of our sin, of our need for self, and let's pray. God, I thank you so much for my friends. I thank you that they were so, such great sports about answering these questions. I really hope that it was uh, fruitful for them as it was for me, and I just pray, God, that you would help us to um, to apply this to our lives and to our hearts, God. I don't want to be a person who's scared to talk to people about you. I want your kingdom to grow. I want to be part of your kingdom that produce, produces the correct fruits, as you said in this passage, God. I want to produce the fruit that is required to be part of your kingdom, God. And I think that take, takes risk. I think that it takes work. I think it takes um, not being afraid, and I think it takes um, just getting out there and sharing about your kingdom and loving people and being kind to them. And uh, occasionally having conflict with people as happened in this passage, God. So I pray that you just help me, help us to do that, God. Thank you for these people who took time out of their schedule to come. I pray that there'd be a blessing to them and um, that they would have a great week and that you just be with us this week. And we'd continue to, have this and it would grow into something beautiful and i pray that you would continue to bless this ministry and that you would open this church up again physically that we can meet in person hopefully by the fall we ask for these things in your name king jesus amen amen i'm going to we're going to skip the psalm this week um just because we ran out of time i did think this i thought discussion went pretty well any thoughts on that I think
1: it was great. Yeah, Chris, thank you. It was it was good. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of you know take that step and try to think through our own process and thoughts. But I, I liked it. It was good. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> good. Yeah, I mean, I thought I'd try something different. I was like, oh, I don't know if this will work or not. But I thought it went well. You guys had great answers. Yeah, great answers. Uh, his wife don't fight, but uh, that's okay. Right, right. <laughs> like, man, I must have a terrible marriage. Because <laughs> all my examples in my head were about my wife and I fighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, updates, Abiel. He is he is flying home. He back to America, so he was able to get. Uh, Gabriel was able to get not a civil ID but some paper that approves him to travel because he has his ID number but they're out of cards in Kuwait Um, but he was able to travel because of that so he left last night. Um, Are there any other prayer requests or praises? Brad I'm glad you made it back that's excellent. Any other thoughts we'll continue to pray for you let's about the vaccine that you get it soon that some there's some sort of breakthrough there any other thoughts prayer requests phrases i think a praise chris you know Quaid is i guess
1: opening up I don't know if you guys are reading that we're I think folks can turn a visit visa into a residence now, or I just read that and I don't understand it actually, but it um, looks like they're moving more toward becoming normalized um, and entry. And and, and obviously if IBL got out, ex-